and uh, we're going to have the uh, Spanish version and English version as well up on the screen. Spanish I got. Good morning. It's good to see each and every one of you here today. You know, I was just sitting there listening and thinking about one day in the future, we all will be gathered around the throne, every nation, every tribe, and every tongue, 
singing praises to our Lord and our Savior. Amen. So glad today that we get to celebrate this ordinance of baptism together. And the candidates that are coming this morning know and understand that baptism is a public profession of faith that identifies them with Jesus and his command to be baptized. They know that what has already taken place on the inside of them, that salvation of their souls was made available to them through the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And they come proudly today to proclaim him as Lord and Savior. Our first candidate this morning is Cameron Viard. Cameron, if you come on down. A few weeks ago on a Wednesday night at Youth Group, uh, we had a guest speaker uh, who gave a very evangelistic message, and it was that night that Cameron gave his heart and life to Jesus. So Cameron, is it your profession of faith that Jesus Christ is Lord and he's the Lord of your life? Then upon your profession of faith and in obedience to our Lord's command, it's my honor and privilege to baptize you, my brother Cameron, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in the likeness of his death and raised to walk in the newness of the Christian world. If you are here this morning as a family member or a friend of Cameron, would you please stand? Amen. I'm telling you folks, you never know the impact that you will have in someone's life. And I'm sure all of you had an incredible impact on Cameron's life to help lead him to the Lord. Uh, now, Jose Vargas, leader of our Hispanic ministry, is coming to baptize three young ladies from the Hispanic ministry. I think that's the first time that this ever happened here at Pitts Baptist Church. Hello, my name is Jose Vargas again, and we have three candidates for baptism, and the first one would be Yoshinai Garcia Cortez. You want to say something? Um, during the pandemic, I really felt lost. I felt worthless. I felt full of sin. And coming back to church really helped me. And I'm so proud to be here in front of God. Yoshi, according with your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Next is Bethany Garcia Cortez. Um, so, <clears throat> we, me and my sister grew up in church, and I think during the pandemic, where everybody was on lockdown, we felt really disconnected. I felt as if I was kind of lost. I was kind of straying away, and just coming back helped me get a connection, and it made me want to look for more in God and Jesus Betania, de acuerdo a tu profesión de fe, yo te bautizo en el nombre del Padre, del Hijo y del Espíritu Santo. Betania, according to your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Good morning. I grew up in a Christian home. I have memories of being together with my family and reading the Bible together. One Sunday school, they asked me if I wanted to be saved, and I said yes. I was very young and innocent, and I think that at that time, I only accepted to only feel good about myself. As I grew older, my interest in knowing more about God and congregating in church faded. I only attended church out of obligation, and I preferred to please my group of friends more and the world more and what was popular at some point, and little by little, I became a terrible teenager. I didn't want to listen to my parents. I held a grudge against my father for many years, and I lied a lot to my mother, and the worst thing was that being a liar made me proud. I started drinking a lot to not feel anything or just to feel good about myself. I even went so far as to drink while working. When I listened to sermons in church or at home, I preferred to imagine a movie or that I heard music in my head. It filled me with anger when my family and the church would tell me that they were praying for me. Even a few years ago, a person spoke to me about the gospel and he asked me if I knew where I was going to go when I died. Without hesitation, I answered that I was going to hell. I knew that the life I was living would not take me to a good place and I did not care. My heart became increasingly hardened and in those moments, I just wanted everyone who worshiped Christ to leave me alone and I wanted to leave my way. It was reflected in my face that I had no peace in my heart and yet I had no desire at all to take refuge in God and I took refuge in the supposed conformity of the world. Everything began to change when I got sick that had me worried and anxious that I had some pains in my chest and as if my heart at any moment was going to explode. Nothing worried me more than the fact that if I died that same day or the next, where did I leave my faith and my heart? Did I leave it with the world or is my heart set on God? At that moment, I realized that I had no control over my life and I needed to seek God. I began to study the foundations of the faith by John MacArthur. It was nothing new to me. I had heard it before in my adolescence, but this time it was different. From that study, I had a desire to seek more of God, and I heard a sermon in which MacArthur spoke of a guilty conscience and started with the book of Psalms uh, 38 that says, because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. And Romans 121, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. In those moments, I felt guilt and became aware of my sin. And every day I broke down in tears and even cried in secret. For some reason, I didn't want anyone to see me. I learned that God is not only a God of love, but also a God of wrath. And that one day we'll be alone before him, judged. As Romans 2.5 says, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. I was scared to know that our sin is so severe that we become ignorant to do what is right in God's eyes. I realized that all the answers that I used to look for in the world and never found, I could found, find them in the Bible. That even when I heard about God all my life, at that moment I felt like I only knew the cover of his Bible. It was as if my eyes were open for the first time and I understood that God sent his son without any sin to die for mine. As Romans 5 says, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I felt horrible because I didn't deserve that. I felt like the worst sinner, and I wonder why he would do that for us. And I cried and asked him for forgiveness for all of my sins. 
Ephesians 2 says, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. That is the great mercy that God has had for me, his undeserving grace. From then on, my desires changed in the blink of an eye. In my old life, I used to worry about what others would think when I became a Christian or that I would not do certain activities that I knew were not pleasing to God. And the truth is that the moment that I repented of my sin, the rest did not matter because now God is my sustenance at all times. Now I wanted to learn more about God and read the Bible. I used to take refuge in worldly and sad songs for hours, and now I just want to sing hymns of praise to him. And more than anything, I started praying, something that I also stopped doing many years ago, and I pray because every day I want to know more about him, and I do not want to set my sight on things that do not glorify him. I no longer work to fill myself with pride or ego, but now everything I do, I want to do with love and for it to be glory to him. Through the Holy Spirit, the Lord has worked in my heart, and now I feel great joy and peace to have God in my life. During this reflection at Pitt's church, there was a hymnal that said, morning songs turn into songs of praise. And I feel like that's, that's what happened for him. So thank you. professional faith, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Emily, de acuerdo a tu profesión de fe, yo te bautizo en el nombre del Padre, del Hijo, del Espíritu Santo. Well, hey there, I bet you're surprised to see me back again to talk about more mission trips for 2024. And I'm here not to talk about one trip, but two. And I'm going to be moving really fast, so hold on to your hat. First, I want to take a step back and remind us, we've shown you an opportunity to stay right here in North Carolina for those that want to stay close to home. We've given you two Alaskan opportunities. That's about as far away as you can get from home without a passport. Oh, but you have a passport and you want to use it? Great, we have a couple of opportunities for you. I'm gonna give you a hint what the first trip is. Bonjour, y'all. Yes, I was part of that first trip that went to Paris last summer, and I studied French on Duolingo for months leading up to that trip. And what I have for you this morning is bonjour, y'all. But I want you to meet Jason and Cassie Harris and their family. They're with the IMB, and they are in Paris along with about nine or 10 other families similar to themselves that have converged from all over the United States, and they are in Paris trying to build a church. They're meeting people, forming partnerships, and uh, they can't do it alone. They need teams like us to come in and walk alongside them. Last year, our team spent a lot of time walking up and down the streets of Paris trying to meet people and have conversation that would hopefully turn into gospel conversations. Many people on this trip were right in their wheelhouse. One of the things that we had to deal with besides walking miles every day was the public transportation. Not always ideal, sometimes very crowded. We're hoping that's gonna look a little different this coming year. One of my favorite memories about being in Paris last summer was being able to pour into the children of the IMB missionaries that are there. Between the 10 or so families that are there, there are a lot of children. We were able to go in and take them clothes and food, candy, toys, and games, some of the comforts from home. It was such a joy to be able to play with those children at the park and do face painting and get to know them better and just love on them a little bit. It's my fondest memory. But in 2024, we need you to come alongside us. Paris is gonna look a little different this summer. As you might've heard, they're hosting a little event called the Olympic Games. 
We won't be there during the main event, but we do hope to be there during the Paralympic event, the first week of September. Our team is gonna look a little different this year. They've asked us to come along and be more of a support team to provide logistics for the other teams that are there doing things that we did uh, last year. We'll be cooking for the other teams and providing food for them and transporting it to wherever they are. We'll be setting up events that they'll be having all across the city and just providing logistics and transportation for them. If it is your desire to be able to get out in the field and to meet people and to share the gospel, there will be opportunities for that as well. We'll also attend a church service that will be 100% given in the language of French, and it's absolutely beautiful. Of course, we wouldn't send you to Paris without giving you a little bit of time for sightseeing. You can't go to Paris and not see the Eiffel Tower after all. Here's a pro tip. Go at 11 p.m. when for five minutes only, the Eiffel Tower is lit up like a Christmas tree. Kind of a Las Vegas Christmas tree, but trust me when I tell you, it's absolutely spectacular. But maybe Paris isn't your thing. That's okay. How do you feel about Africa. We plan to go to Malawi this summer and here's a little tidbit for you if you're ever in Trivial Pursuit. Malawi is landlocked by three other countries, Zambia, Tanzania, and Mozambique. So there's no growth. It also happens to be one of the poorest countries in the world. But don't tell the children there that. I don't think they know it. At this point we've always taken our youth to Malawi but this summer they have other plans. So this summer we want to take you, our adults, to Malawi. We've been partnering with organizations there since 2008. It's not new to Pitts Baptist Church. In fact, Robbie Jones is a Malawi expert and he will be there to be your personal guide. We've also partnered with Filter of Hope where we're able to help in providing clean drinking water and bring the gospel message, the living water, to the people of Malawi. This year, we plan to participate in backyard Bible clubs with local churches in the area. We'll also be able to visit an orphanage that has almost 200 children there. We'll be able to visit and minister to their needs, and I guarantee you this, all the blessing that you're going to be taking to those children, you are going to be further blessed than they ever would. Don't worry, we're not going to send you halfway across the world and not give you an opportunity to really experience God's amazing creation. We have a trip planned. It's a land and water cruise so that you'll be able to get out and see some of the beauty of Africa that you can see in no other way. Are you still looking for a place to serve this summer in missions? This may be your trip. You want to learn more? Then please join us on January 14th at 5 p.m. to learn more about these and all of our other upcoming mission opportunities for 2024. Well, there you have it. Now you know about all the opportunities coming up this summer from Pitts Baptist for Mission. Would you do three things for me this week? Number one, would you pray about it? Don't ask God if he's going to send you on mission. Ask him where he would send you. And then be still and listen. Number two, would you talk to your family about it? Let them know about the commitment you're making. Ask them to join you in prayer about it. Number three, talk to your employer if you have one, but do that quickly. Let them know you're forfeiting that four-star vacation for going roughing it a little bit, but you're going to support the name of Jesus. I think they'll love that idea. So do those three things and come back next week at 5 o'clock right here in the sanctuary. I look forward to seeing you here. God bless you. Amen. What a way to begin worship today. Wouldn't you agree? tremendous uh, kickoff to this worship service. It makes me think of Paul's words in Colossians 3. If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We want to welcome everybody here today, and if you're a guest of ours, we would ask you to reach in the pew rack in front of you and take out a care card, and we would love to have a record on that care card of your attendance with us. You can fill that out, and on your way out this morning, you'll notice on the walls uh, beside the center doors, there are some uh, drop boxes screwed onto the wall there. You can put that care card in there. And if there is a prayer need in your life, fill out the back of the care card. And the staff this week would love to, to join you in praying uh, for that need. But again, we want to welcome you here. Uh, several things to announce. Uh, ladies, this Thursday at 10 a.m., or at 6.30, your choice, choose one of those times, 10 a.m. or 6.30 in the small fellowship hall. Uh, you have your very first 
Bible recap session together. And you'll be discussing the readings from uh, the first 10 days this year in the Bible recap uh, book. So you don't want to miss that time of discussion. Also something that's become uh, very popular in the spring in the lives of our family members here at Pitts, Teen Valley Ranch. And Teen Valley Ranch is coming up March 15th through the 17th. There is a cost involved and uh, a $50 deposit is due by February the 18th. You can sign up in the Welcome Center today or uh, contact Amanda Christian and she can give you more information on that. Uh, speaking of Amanda, uh, in the children's ministry, our children's ministry is growing, and you know what that means. We need more people serving. We don't need kids wandering around out in the middle of Pitt School Road on a Sunday morning. Now, that's just a joke. If you have a kid in the children's ministry, there is no danger of that, okay? No danger, so just relax. But uh, we do need more people serving. And there's uh, different levels you can serve at, uh, depending on how much time uh, you want to devote to that. And so please uh, check with um, Amanda on that, and she would be more than happy to wel welcome you into the uh, children's ministry serving there. Uh, Friendly Neighbors, our senior adult ministry, you have a meeting this coming Tuesday, 1130, uh, in the core. And so we look forward to seeing you there. Jerry Sullivan uh, is in charge of the program for the day. And as you heard Janet say on the video, next Sunday night, right here in the sanctuary, at 5 o'clock, come and hear about the different mission opportunities for 2024. And find the place where you want to be plugged in and uh, go on mission together. And then just a couple of more things. The Lottie Moon goal is it's coming along, progressing nicely. We're getting very close to reaching our goal. We still have through the end of January. And so if you've not had a chance to give to our Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions, uh, please take care of that uh, before the end of uh, this month. Your year-end giving has been absolutely phenomenal. And so we're grateful for that. Also, don't forget today, stop by the Awana Post Office where you dropped off Christmas cards uh, for folks. And many of you have Christmas cards there waiting. It's in the hallway uh, to your right, my left over here, uh, this hallway that goes down this side of the sanctuary. And so please uh, take care of stopping by today and getting those cards and we'll close out the, uh, the post office. Let's say our memory verse together. I trust it'll be on the screen. Romans 12, 2. Can we say it together? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12, 2. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this awesome day to, to come and worship. The scripture says, this is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice in it. Lord, already we have been rejoicing at the great things that you have done in our lives and in our church family. We pray for these today who have made their profession of faith public through the ordinance of believers' baptism. Lord, continue to strengthen them in their walk with you. And may their lives be a testimony to us. May we reflect back on that day when we ourselves entered into those waters. We were buried with Christ and raised to walk in newness of life. And Lord, together as a church family, help us to do that in a manner that glorifies you. That we would walk in a way pleasing to you and seek those things that are above. I pray, God, that you would use this service today uh, for your purposes. Be with Pastor Seeger and the Epic Group who is away today. And bring them back safely to us. Lord, we thank you for the guests that we have here today. May they be blessed from being here. And God, we thank you so much.
for the opportunity that we have as a church family to look into your word and to ask your Holy Spirit to take your word and to transform our lives. We trust that you will do that today as it is your good pleasure to do so. May we be yielded and still before you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In our study this week, there were two charts to combat the lies that Satan tells us. One of them was who I am. I am worthy and accepted. I am never alone. By God's grace and power, I am adequate. I have boldness and confidence. I have all the hope I need through Jesus Christ. I am complete in Christ. I am free from fear. I am free in Christ. I am dead to sin. I matter to God. And also who God is. God is always good. God is merciful and saving. God is always with me. God cares about every detail of my life. And God loves me unconditionally. Amen. Let's stand together and sing together about those promises as we join our voices in worshiping Him this morning. Sing with me. Who am I that the highest King would welcome me? I was lost, but He brought me in His love The sun sets free, oh, his free I'm a child of God, yes, I'm free at last. He has ransomed me, his grace. to see Jesus die I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, 
the sheep of his pasture enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him and praise his name for the lord is good his love endures forever his faithfulness continues through all the generations and then psalm 31 19 oh how abundant is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am made, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Sing it out. Oh, my. your Bibles out and turn with me to Romans chapter 12 today as we are finishing up week five in our Master Life study. I trust you're keeping up with that in your own personal uh, devotion time and study time each day. Looking today at the subject matter, transformed thinking and living. Uh, since you were just standing, I'll let you remain seated, but uh, I'll read verses 1 and 2, and then we'll get started with the message. Paul says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now this morning I'll be taking a slightly different approach than the writers of our Master Life work, uh, the, the approach they're taking. 
Uh, and there's a reason for that. Uh, and you can stop by the Welcome Center today. There's, there's a page out there that I've prepared for you front and back entitled Human Composition. Now, our writers take the approach of trichotomy, a body, soul, and spirit. And I'm not going to get too deep into this. I'll let you read what I've left for you in that little brief paper. Uh, and then there's also dichotomy that we are body and then soul and spirit are probably used interchangeably in the scripture. And that is the uh, position I, along with most evangelicals today, would take. So I differ a little bit in my approach with our writers, but certainly what they are saying is still uh, within the bounds of uh, orthodoxy today and what many others believe. Uh, so I'll let you dive into that more deeply. Again, that page is out there. But what I want us to do is we think about Romans 12, 1 and 2. We need to understand what Paul is doing in this section of the book of Romans. Now, of course, we know in Romans he is laying out the gospel that he preaches. He wants to visit the church at Rome and his ultimate plans are to continue going westward as far as Spain, wherever the Lord leads him westward. And, and he wants those at Rome that they would become a missionary base along with him. And so he wants them to understand the gospel that he's preaching. Uh, but there's actually more to Romans than that. In fact, the basic motivation behind the book of Romans uh, is to address the divide that is happening in the church there at Rome. There's an ethnic divide that's happening between Jews and Gentiles. And so in the book of Romans, Paul is laying out how the gospel is the good news for both Jew and Gentile. And how it bridges the gap between different ethnicities and, and different races. And so Paul lays that out. And in the process of laying that out, again, he is also laying out for them the gospel that he preaches. And the first 11 chapters have been dealing with doctrine. Then we come to chapter 12 and he begins applying that doctrine. And what he's been pointing out in the doctrinal section is all of the rich blessings that we have in Christ. Now, beginning in chapter 12, he addresses the subject matter, what are we going to do with all of those blessings? You see, we aren't simply to be navel gazers where we look at ourselves and just think of, of how peaceful and comfortable we are in the gospel. But what are we going to do with the gospel? What are we going to do with our lives now that Christ has included us in his family, the body of Christ? How are we going to live to glorify him? We need to understand that the gospel is both gift and demand. And he's beginning to tell us in this section about the demands of being a new creature in Christ. And then we're going to end up today in verse 2, which is the emphasis in your book this week. But we're going to get there by way of verse 1, because in the scriptural text, verse 1 and verse 2, there's a strong connection between the two and again what we're going to see is that in the entirety of our human makeup the entirety of our human composition of body and soul we are to present ourselves to God we're to reject the world's thinking about life and we're to allow God to reshape our thinking and as our thinking is reshaped our conduct will be reshaped you see it all happens together First thing I want you to notice with me this morning, our response to the gospel is to be one of a willing offering of ourselves. Read verse 1 again with me. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
And again, instead of grasping, instead of looking at the Christian life and, and thinking mine, 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 the way a three-year-old would on the playground, we're to see that the gospel also makes demands of us. It's gift and demand. It's blessings followed by appropriate responses. And what's Paul saying our response is to be? We're to make a holy presentation of ourselves to God. And such a presentation, you'll notice, is motivated by the mercies of God. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you do what I'm asking you to do. It's the right and the reasonable thing that he's about to ask. In light of the richness of God's grace that we've experienced. Folks, I want you to think with me a moment this morning about where you were before you were saved. Think about your life before you experienced the new birth. And had that continued, think of where you might be today. But contrast that with the peace and the joy and the life that you now have. And so what Paul is inviting us to do is to ponder the depths of the sin out of which God has saved us. God didn't have to save us. He saves us because of his grace. And so Paul is counting on the fact that we've got enough of a brain in our heads, we've got enough common sense to realize this. We're reasonable enough to realize this. And so he's appealing to logic. Rather than just giving a commandment all by itself, he's appealing to the logic that we would understand what God has done for us and we would understand what that asks of us. And so we're to make a sacrifice of ourselves. And this sacrifice that we are to offer of ourselves is contrasted with the sacrifices of the Old Testament. The sacrifices of the Old Testament involve the life of another. Maybe a lamb, or a calf, or a dove. But in this case here, the sacrifice he's asking you and I to make is, the, is our very own life. Our very own life. We are to sacrifice ourselves. We are to offer ourselves to God every aspect of our lives. Now let's also keep in mind that those sacrifices in the Old Testament were given to atone for sin. And now that the ultimate sacrifice for sin has been given in Christ, no other sacrifice for sin is needed. But in light of Christ's sacrifice, what should a Christian offer? They should offer themselves to God in gratitude. I want you to understand the picture here. An Old Testament priest would offer an animal, a dead animal, but in the New Covenant, we are all priests. Peter refers to us as a kingdom of priests. And so we are to figuratively walk up to an altar and we are to lay ourselves on that altar. I want you to think of something else also. In the Old Testament, sacrifice was at the heart of temple worship. Well, the New Testament points out that you and I now are God's temple. And sacrifice is still at the heart of worship. But the sacrifice, again, is not an animal, not the life of another, but the sacrifice is us. Sacrifice is still at the heart of worship. But you and I are the sacrifice. You know, I think we instinctively know as believers that our lives are to be different. We know that we shouldn't go out of here this afternoon as the people of God and get in a brawl out in the church parking lot, for example. We know that we shouldn't go out of here and be drunkards and adulterers and murderers and thieves. We automatically know at some level that our Christian faith demands a difference in how we are to live out in the world and how we're to think. And so that's what Paul's talking about here. 
And I want you to notice what he says we are to do. We are to offer ourselves and it is to be a permanent offering. He says that we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, we are to die daily. We're to draw a line in the sand, make a decision about who's going to be in control of our lives. And we're to offer a sacrifice to God that is a no turning back type of sacrifice. And just think with me this morning about every man or woman who's in Christ making this type of sacrifice. What if every one of us said, come what may, in, in my thought life, in my finances, in my relationships, in my service to God, there's going to be no retreat. I'm going to give God 100%. What if we live with that kind of devotion? Well, folks, that's what Paul is asking us to do. What are your weaknesses? Lay them on the altar. Give them to God. What might God want to do with your life in your weaknesses? What are your strengths? What are your spiritual gifts? What are your relationships? What are your opportunities? Who are the people around you that you can serve and be a witness to? Lay all of this on the altar and present it to God and say, God, I'm yours. Whatever you want to do in my life, in and through all of this, I'm presenting myself to you. It's also a personal offering. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, to offer your bodies. He's addressing the corporate church, but within the corporate church, he's addressing every single member uh, of, the, of the body of Christ. It's, it's kind of like what Joshua did at the end of the book of Joshua in, in the Old Testament. When Joshua uh, was about to... Uh, lead the children well he had led the children of Israel into the land and, and they were dividing up the land and Joshua will soon be uh, passing off the scene but before he does that he he reminds the people of how he's going to live in the land he says as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord it's a challenge he was making to them he was making that challenge to all Israel but he was saying this is what I'm going to do I've led you here and now that we're here and now that we receive the land here's what we're going to do as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord what are you going to do it's personal it's a physical offering he says also present your bodies and the body here stands for the whole life Paul's probably combating a Greek view of life which divided up the body too much between body and soul and spirit. They said, Soma Sima Estin, where the body is a tomb. They wanted to be free of the body. The Greeks did. And I've got a personal theory about why some of them did that. They did so in order so they could say, you can have your spirituality and your spirit but the Greeks were saying then you can go out and do whatever you want to do with your body. If you want to live in immorality and filth and whatever you want to live in with your body, you can do that as long as you give your spirit and soul attention. But that's not scripture. The body's a gift from God and so we're to offer everything about our bodies back to God. Everything. If you were to look back at Romans chapter 3... Paul talks about the lost man. Listen to what the lost man does with his body. He says, their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they've not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Paul's saying lost man in his depravity gives his or her body to all of the wrong things. But now as the redeemed children of God, you're to turn around and offer all the different parts of your body. Your body as a whole, you're to give it to God. You're to present all of you. It's also a perpetual offering. Because he mentions here that we're to be a living sacrifice. Remember in the Old Testament when a sacrifice was made, it was killed. And you know what? One day we may have to be martyrs for Christ. We know that even today there are people all over the world 
who are dying because of their Christian faith. And that could be the journey any one of us in here might face at some point in the future. We don't know. We don't see the future. But if we're living for Christ, there could be somebody in this very room who who ends up having to die. But what Paul is saying for now, what you and I are to do is to be a living sacrifice every day. John R.W. Stada, a commentator on Romans, he said, The attitude I take every morning when I roll out of bed is like I'm rolling up onto God's altar and I'm saying, Here I am, Lord, your sacrifice for this day. A living sacrifice. And it's to be a pure offering also. Your sacrifice, Paul says here in verse 1, is to be holy. We belong to God. We're to live for His purposes. That's what it means to be holy. In 1 Corinthians 6, he says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, that you're not your own, for you've been bought with a price? Therefore glorify God in your body. We're to be holy because God is holy. Like father, like child, there's to be a family resemblance. I don't want you to miss what he says about this type of dedication or offering of yourself. He says, such a reasonable, willing, holy offering is acceptable to God. It is desired by him and it's pleasing to him. I want you to remember again in the Old Testament, a sacrifice would be rejected by God if it was not the proper kind of sacrifice. Remember that? Had to be a certain kind. And it also had to be the best. Remember when they came back from exile and God told them to get busy and rebuild the temple and the city and their homes and all that? And by the time of Haggai Haggai and Malachi, the people had rebuilt the temple. They'd done that. They'd they'd kind of half-heartedly. They'd rebuilt their businesses and their homes. They'd not completely finished the temple in the days of Haggai. Uh, They'd still left part of it in ruins. They weren't offering God the best. They were giving the best to themselves and their families and, and their community and their businesses. But they weren't giving to God what he deserved. And so God commanded that they were to go and finish their sacrifices that they were offering to him. As he said through Malachi, he says, try offering to your governor what you're offering to me. Would he accept it? No, he would not. Because here some of you are with animals in your flocks that would meet the qualifications for a sacrifice, but you're not giving God that, he told them. He said, you're giving God the leftovers, the lame and the blind, the things that you don't want. And isn't that what we do a lot of times, even in the Christian life? We give God the leftovers. Maybe things that we don't want. We give him the extra instead of the first and the best. And what he's saying here is God deserves the best, not the leftovers. We're, we're to give him everything. We're to give him everything. And, and, and what we lay on the altar to him, what we give him of ourselves body soul and spirit to God giving him the best of 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 who we are and what we have he says this is part of your worship in other words your worship isn't just simply what you do on a Sunday morning in the house of the Lord but your worship is what you do every single day of your life with your very life all of that is part of your worship As Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And Paul says here, Such a life like this is pleasing to God. It is acceptable. And then secondly, he points out, our response to the gospel is to be one of involving the transformation of ourselves he goes on to say do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect we're to be sold out to God we're to be sold out to his plan and as we are what will we see what will this offering look like 
God will transform us. There's a negative aspect and a positive aspect. What's the negative aspect? A refusal to compromise. He says, do not be conformed to this age. As Philip's translation says, that don't be squeezed into this world's mold. We're not to be conformed to this world. We're not to buy into this world's ways. I read that passage out of Colossians a moment ago. If then you've been raised up with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Folks, we are not to be conformed to this world. We're not to compromise our testimony. And it's always been this way. Even in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, chapter 18, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you lived. And you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan to where I'm bringing you. You shall not walk in their ways. You shall not follow their rules you are to keep my rules and keep my statutes and walk in them because I'm the Lord your God God is saying you're mine now you're to be different you're not just to blend in and look too much like the world some people don't want to stand out they just kind of want to blend in But Paul says when it comes to your Christian testimony, don't live that way. Don't just blend in. You're different now. You're different. Not only are you to refuse to compromise with the ways of the world, but then he goes on to talk about this positive transformation, a renewal of the mind. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Folks, think about what's happened in our lives as we've grown up in this world. Before we were saved, everything about the world is pumped into our minds, right? The thought patterns, the ways of the world. This this is what we have taken in. Because we're kind of like sponges. We just take in stuff. But Paul is saying, now that you're a Christian... There's a change that needs to take place in your thinking, which is going to affect, in turn, your living. You've got to give attention to your Christian mind. How do you do that? You need to be in the Word of God. You need to realize Satan is a liar. He wants to mess up your thinking, just like he did Adam and Eve in the garden. But you need to get in God's Word. And the more you're in God's Word, The more God, through His Spirit, is changing and transforming your thinking. You saw this week in your chapter a chart on page 88. In one column are Satan's lies. And in the other column is the corresponding truth from God's Word that sets us free. And that explains how the Lord transforms us. We are to have minds set on the Lord and His Word. Because there's a connection between the head and the heart. Previously we fed on the world and we've ended up thinking like the world and acting like the world because we did that. But now as believers we're to realize we're a new man and, and, and we're to think on God's word. And allow him to transform our attitudes, our ideas, our, our thinking. Is that process happening in you? What are you doing to renew your mind? Are you consistent in your Bible reading and study? Are you consistent in reading uh, good Christian books that honor the Lord? Do you hang out with Christian friends and talk about spiritual things? Because you see, it, it won't just happen unless you determine for it to happen. You've got to set your mind on the things of the Lord. <clears throat> You've got to engage the mind. And as that's taking place and as God is changing your thinking, notice what Paul says will happen as a bonus. As your thinking changes, as God changes your thinking, 
What are you going to be able to test and approve? You're going to be able to test and approve that which is the will of God, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know, I've noticed a lot of times people want to look at the will of God as something, something God is supposed to lay out for them ahead of time. God's supposed to show you all of the turns and the hills and the valleys and contours of his will for your life and you stand there and you, you look at God's will for your life and decide whether you're going to do it or not. God doesn't reveal his will that way. God doesn't reveal his will. Paul is saying here as you do everything he's just told them to do in, chap, in, in verses 1 and 2. The result of doing all these things he's just told us to do in verses 1 and 2 is the result of that is as we live life, we'll be able to, to discern what God's will is. And God's will is good and pleasing and perfect. It's going to be freeing for your life. It's going to be good. You're going to love it. But it only happens as you present yourself wholeheartedly to him as you refuse to be compromised by the world and as you allow him to renew your mind, your thinking, then you're going to discover his will. I want to give you some takeaway lessons in closing. I know our time is running short today. I want you to see, first of all, the gospel is indeed good news for mankind. But I, I don't ever want you to forget, it's good news which demands a response. If you're looking at your Christian life as only the blessings God gives to you, you're only looking at the first half of the picture. What kind of response are you, you to be making to God's grace? A second takeaway, the gospel is to result in your transformation, body and soul. Through and through, you are a new creation in Christ if you're a Christian. This is a transformation which should be evidenced in a growing manner in every part of your being. And so let me read it again in closing. When I get to verse 2, I want you to say it out loud with me. Paul says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now all of us together, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. Would you stand please? And I wonder if there's somebody here today that would be honest enough to say, Pastor, I've never come to Christ. I've never even offered myself to God the, the first time. I've never been saved. And I need to do that. I need to be saved. Pastoral staff would love to pray with you. Maybe there's some believers in here that would be courageous enough to admit, you know what, I'm living too much like the world. I'm being conformed to the world. I'm not being transformed. And I need to make some changes. In my, I need to draw a line in the sand and step over that and say, you know, life now is going to be different. Instead of being dictated by the ways of the world, I'm going to get back in God's Word. And I'm going to get back in Bible study with fellow believers. And I'm going to start thinking about things that please God and honor Him. As that happens in your life, He's going to be changing your life. You're going to see it. Your conduct, your priorities are going to be changing. And you know what? You're going to be discovering more and more of the will of God. Maybe there are those that need to commit themselves this morning to that process. I'll be here to pray with you. Let's sing together.